Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, Anthony Edwards is turning heads at USA Camp in Vegas. Let's talk a little bit about what he's done so far and also an ESPN article that compares 2023 Ant to 2010 Kevin Durant. We'll talk about why that is maybe a good comparison and why maybe it's a bit of a stretch. But we could dream, can't we? Also, Mateo Spaniolo has won an award overseas. And the Timberwolves are listed in an article as one of the biggest potential surprises this year. It's all coming to the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, which you can find on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. This show, along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts, can be found there. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. Uh, we are only a couple of weeks away from World Cup basketball. In fact, the U.S. tonight, Monday night, has a scrimmage, um, I believe, against Puerto Rico. And I'm actually not sure if it's televised or not, but we're gonna we're gonna try to find it. Um, as as Team USA does has their first kind of exhibition, not even exhibition, really just a scrimmage um, against against Puerto Rico. And uh, of course, the U at Team USA. We've talked a little bit about. Ant being with Team USA over the past couple of weeks. And uh, at the moment, it looks like he has a real shot at being a starter with the team. Um, in fact, in their internal scrimmages, Steve Kerr, the, of course, coach of Team USA, has not, as of this weekend, wanted to name a starting five. But he began having Anthony Edwards run with the ones in the starting lineup. And, um, and apparently after they made that change, they really beat up on the select team, which, of course, is the... Kind of actually, the team Ant was on a couple of years ago, right? The up and comers, Nas Reed is on that team this year. We talked about that last week on the show, and Ant is starting alongside a few. I, I mean, everybody on the U.S. roster is um, is is a, a starter at the NBA level, right? They're not all all stars. I think there's only four players on the Team USA roster this time around at FIBA World Cup that have been all stars, and nobody on the roster has been an All NBA player. Um, it looks like I mean, Brandon Ingram is going to start. Jalen Brunson is going to start. Um, likely Jaron Jackson. And then, and then the question is, is it Mikel Bridges? Is it Anthony Edwards? You still got, I mean, Tyrese Halberton, Austin Reeves are all probably worthy of that. My hunch is Ant will start. Um, I think both Halberton and Reeves are, are nice coming off the bench. So in my mind, it's probably Brunson with Ant, Brandon Ingram, Mikel Bridges, and Jaron Jackson would be my guess as, as the starting lineup. But at any rate, it's going to be fun to see this come together over the next couple of weeks as part of, the early stages in in getting us prepared for FIBA basketball, there's there's Ant has taken kind of center stage. He's that 
next up, Kevin Durant had some comment, or excuse me, Kevin Durant. Kevin, well, we will talk about Durant in a minute. Kevin Garnett had some comments on Instagram talking about there was that video that came out like mid late last week of Anthony Edwards draining a ridiculous number of threes from the corner consecutively. And Garnett uh, commented on it and said, basically, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what he said. Basically, like Ant's next, like look out for him next year. He's going to win the scoring title, like stuff like that. And, you know, there's, of course, the the Timberwolves connection. But he, I mean, Kevin Garnett's not the only one that's saying, hey, sit up and take notice of Anthony Edwards. And everybody's been wanting to do that, really going back to obviously being the first overall pick. But the way that he performed early in that Memphis series, when they took the Grizzlies to six games in, in spring of 2022. But this year, I mean, yeah, he made his first all-star team. I think some of his progress was a little bit more sideways. Um, I think he did improve. Uh, but there's still some things he's got to work on and everybody wants him to make that, that leap. Right. And that's kind of where we are now is like, what comes next for Anthony Edwards, but you can just kind of feel it. Like he's the one that everyone's looking at. And there's, there was an article by Tim Bontemps over at ESPN, uh, entitled how team USA can draw inspiration from the 2010 world cup squad success. So 2010 team was the team that came after the redeem team. Remember in 2008, after the U S had finished what they finished like third at the Olympics in 04, and they didn't place well in 06 at the world cup. Um, so 08 was the redeem team and nobody from that team. I don't believe anybody was on the 2010 world cup team. And so it was a lot of younger guys, a very similar team. And that's essentially what this article is about. But a huge chunk of the first part of it is all about Anthony Edwards and the comparison to Kevin Durant in 2010. And I think it's fascinating. I actually do want to dive a little bit into basically what these guys looked like at this stage in their career and some of the some of the comparison points. And I guess I guess really the reason why Bontemps wrote this article, surely, uh, are very clear and it's kind of uncanny. The actual encore production is maybe a little bit different. And so I want to, you know, build this up as this is really cool and then bring us back down to earth a little. Although I will say, um, when I do this, it's not saying Anthony Edwards can't be Kevin Durant. I'm just saying 21-year-old Anthony Edwards is not quite as good as 21-year-old Kevin Durant. So we'll get to that part in a second. Let's read the chunk from Bontemps, um, from Bontemps' article at ESPN. He says, as Anthony Edwards sat on a dais last month to discuss signing a five-year max contract extension with the Timberwolves, he was asked why he agreed to play for Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. Edwards said, quote, I wanted to play because it was a great opportunity. I can take my game to the next level, and I think I'll be ready. I don't have to wait for preseason to get ready for the season. It's a big step for me. Goes on to say... Uh, for a group lacking in international experience and headed into a tournament that Team USA has traditionally struggled in, because, side note, uh, same reason I mentioned before, a lot of the same guys that play in the Olympics don't play in the slightly lower profile FIBA World Cup, winning gold could prove to be a challenge, Bontemp says, but it also presents an opportunity for Edwards in particular to take a huge step forward, one that could propel him into superstardom entering his fourth NBA season in a way Kevin Durant used this same tournament to do so 13 years ago. There are several similarities. Durant, like Edwards, is a former top pick. Durant was number two overall in 07. Edwards, number one in 2020. Durant agreed to a five-year max contract extension with Oklahoma City before joining the Americans in preparation for what was then the World Championships. And Durant was part of a young, inexperienced group, one that, like this 2023 squad, was a completely flipped roster from the previous Olympics. In 2010, Durant's group was derided as a B team after many of the league's top stars opted out after leading the Redeem team to a gold medal in Beijing in 08. Durant had said at the time, it's extra motivation and so on and so forth. And then uh, 
the article goes on to talk about Edwards and it mentions Grant Hill, who is actually the executive director of Team USA. He was an announcer for a couple of the games in the first round of the playoffs and the Wolves lost to the Nuggets in five. Edwards said, or Hill says of Edwards, quote, the way he played, the way he attacked, the decision-making he made, he was unguardable. No one could stay in front of him. He's sort of, his sort of understanding and reading the situation, I felt was exemplary. He just put the team on his back. The article goes on to talk about overall um, the roster, and talk, there's a lot of talk of Jerry Colangelo wondering whether or not, you know, asking Colangelo if Edwards could be like Durant. And Colangelo says, I think this is telling, he says he was asked if he saw a similarity between Durant 13 years ago and Edwards now. Colangelo said, quote, well, it could be similar. Having the capacity is one thing. Taking advantage of the opportunity is something else. Only time will tell. Yes, he's got the platform and he has the opportunity, but he has to get it done. This is exactly, this is me talking now. This is exactly what Timberwolves fans should be saying about Ant. Um, because last season, and I know that late in the year he was banged up, but you know, who isn't there? The opportunity was there for him to take over with Carl Anthony Towns injured. And the opportunity was there for him to do, um, to expand his game and certain ways, but there were some inconsistencies in his game too, that we've talked about before on the show. And yes, he made the jump to all-star, but to make the jump from all-star to superstar into all NBA, a lot more has to happen. And this could be a really good opportunity for him to show that he can do those things. I do want to dig into the actual stats of the, and this is the part that actually isn't really specifically mentioned in the article. Ant is 21. Durant was 21. They're each through three seasons. Uh, there's a, a lot of parallels here. So I want to dig into the numbers of young Durant versus young Ant really quickly and see what's similar and what's not when comparing the two. So we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off. Uh, Hall of Fame game is, uh, the first NFL preseason game is, I think like, Tonight or tomorrow? It's this week, I'm pretty sure. FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that they win in the regular season. That's right. You just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory during the season. You can use your bonus bets on many things. That includes spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Uh, of course, college basketball, college football, excuse me, starts in just a couple of weeks as well. Regular season NFL, just about a week to 10 days behind that. There's plenty to get excited for as we head into fall. Of course, what's on the heels of football? That's right. Basketball starts up not long after that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, everydayers, we're back on Wednesday and Friday this week. We're doing three shows per week in August. Plenty to get to as we get closer and closer to FIBA World Cup and, of course, also closer to player previews. There's all kinds of stuff happening here in the coming weeks at Lockdown Wolves. We're doing, um, I'm doing a preview show with Josh Lloyd of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, a Wolves-specific show we're, we're recording here in the next couple of weeks. So we're gearing up at Lockdown. We're like six, seven weeks away from training camp starting. So it's going to be honest before we know it. Um, so uh, a big thank you again to those of you that do make this show your first listen every day. Um, let's continue the Durant Anthony Edwards comparison. So as noted in the Tim Bontemps article at ESPN.com, yes, both players are, are coming out of year three. Both players are 21. Both players made their first all-star team in the year prior to playing in the FIBA world cup. And both have signed their five-year rookie max extension, but there's the similarities go even further than that. Um, 
both players, you know, in this age 21 season, first all-star berth were knocked out of the first round of the playoffs in the same season. Um, both players, of course, were one and done in college. You know, I guess that is why they're basically the same or they are the same age. Um, so there's a lot of similarities between the two. The team success is very similar. And Durant, of course, the year after his age 22 season, led the Thunder to the Western Conference Finals. The year after that, he led them all the way to the finals when they lost to LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and the Miami Heat. Now, for through their first three seasons, I should also point out that Kevin Durant made first-team All-NBA in his third NBA season, which is um, incredible. He was 21 years old, and yes, both players were All-Stars, but first-team All-NBA for Kevin Durant as a 21-year-old is insane. Um if we look at the body of work, and we could compare year to year, um, because Kevin Durant had a pretty crazy rookie season. I mean, Durant averaged, what, rookie season, 20 points per game. Uh, uh, he only shot 28%, uh, just shade under 29% from three, which is worse than what Ant shot from deep as a rookie. But in general, Durant was really impressive as a rookie. I, I really want to look at the first three years as a whole, the body of work of the of age 19 to 21 seasons from both KD and Ant, and so that's what that's what we'll do. So if you just look at the categories, the only categories Anthony Edwards wins are assists per game and steals per game, and actually, strangely enough, effective field goal percentage. Uh, for the most part, Durant was a much better shooter, or is a much better shooter. Uh, the reason why, if you're wondering why Ant wins effective field goal percentage, so the difference between effective and true shooting, effective field goal percentage adjusts for the fact that a three-point field goal is worth more than a two-point field goal. True shooting, which Durant still wins, but it's much closer, that also takes into account free throws, and, and it's a better overall picture of efficiency. Effective field goal percentage, Ant won, uh, or wins slightly because of the volume of three-point shooting. So if you take the first three years of Kevin Durant's career and the first three years of Ant's career, Ant made one and a half threes more per game over that period of time than Kevin Durant. And that's simply because the volume was was actually more than twice as much. Their overall three-point percentage over the first three years in the league, Durant's is actually a little bit better, 36.1% to Ant's 35.2%, even with Durant struggling so much as a rookie. But Durant's three-point shooting percentage improved from 28% as a rookie to 42% in his second season of the league, which is incredible that he was, you know, above league average 36.5% the next year. And of course, we know that for his career, he's he's over 38%. Uh, but that was that was a huge year one to year two improvement from Durant. And again, the body work over the those first three years, Ant more steals per game, Ant more assists per game. And we can look at the rate-based stats, which I always prefer to do anyway. The assist rate is much higher and the steal rate is a little bit higher. The block rate's actually the same, which is impressive because, as we all know, Durant is nearly seven feet tall and has a crazy wingspan. Um, the turnover rate is virtually the same. So there are a lot of things that are pretty similar. Where Durant has the advantage is getting to the line, which he was shooting 7.7 .7 free throws per game. Or another way to look at this, his free throw rate through his first three seasons, uh, was much higher than Anthony Edwards. Ants has only shot about four and a half free throws per game. Durant, nearly eight free throws per game at an 88% clip, whereas Ant was 77%. So getting to the line, also rebounding, rebound rate of 9.3% for Durant, 8.2% for Edwards. If you want to look at that at rebounds per game, Durant had 1.1 rebounds more per game over his first three seasons. 
those are the two biggest differences. And I would say along with the free throw shooting, just the overall shot selection for Kevin Durant, right? And, and, and obviously one kind of begets the other because the better shots you take, the more you get into the paint, the more free throws you draw or more fouls you draw, the more free throws you shoot. And then you also shoot them at an 11% higher clip at the line or, or percentage, um, then you're going to be a more efficient player and then add on to that another extra percentage from outside the arc. And Durant was simply a more efficient scorer over his first three years, used his length really wisely. He was also so good from the mid-range. Uh, Durant has just always been a good shooter from everywhere. Um, and, and I don't actually have the uh, the zone, you know, by zone on the floor in front of me, but Durant shot even more mid-range shots than Ant does. And Ant kind of reduced those quite a bit last season. But all that to say... The biggest difference between the two is just overall shooting efficiency and also defensive consistency. Ant has, I believe, that's where his biggest improvement was this last year. Um, I thought he improved much better on the defensive end of the floor than the offensive end of the floor. And year one, Ant was not a good defender. Year two, he was a good on-ball defender and a poor off-ball defender. Year three, in my opinion, Ant was a fantastic on-ball defender most of the time and a good off-ball defender. I thought he was actually good off the ball, and for the most part was locked in. When he was locked in on the ball, he was one of the top probably five defenders in the entire perimeter point-of-attack defenders in the entire league, and I mean that. The problem was he didn't lock in. The example I always bring up, and if you listen to the show consistently, you've heard me say this. It's been a while, but that, like, what was it, Saturday against the Spurs, that Saturday in April, the day before Pelicans game 82, it was, I think, even an afternoon tip, I believe, a matinee in San Antonio, and Ant was just not interested. Like, I think it was, uh, well, it wasn't DeJounte Murray because DeJounte Murray was on the Hawks last year. I can't remember who it was now, but somebody on the Spurs, Ant just could not be bothered to get into a stance and, like, guard them. And then 24 hours later, he was locked in against the Pelicans. And it's growing pains, I get it, whatever, but, like, that sort of thing, and I'm not saying like LeBron, even in his prime, brought it every single night defensively. Um, you know, like Kevin Durant is one of very few or no, I keep doing that. Kevin Garnett is one of very few guys who who uh, you could say did that. It's hard to do that 82 times in the NBA in the regular season plus playoffs. I get that. But we've just got to see it a little bit more frequently from Ant. Kevin Durant was a better defender over his first three seasons overall than Ant was more consistent and the offensive efficiency was greater. The team's success was roughly the same. Remember, Oklahoma City was not good. Uh, well, first of all, Seattle was not good in Durant's rookie season, right? They went 20 and 62. Their first year in Oklahoma City, they went 23 and 59. So they had won 20 games, they won 23 games, which is actually even worse than the Wolves were with Ant. Year three, they won 50 games and lost to the Lakers in the first round. The Wolves won only 42 games in year three, but they lost in the first round to the Nuggets. The following year, Oklahoma City won 55 games, went to the conference finals, and lost to the Mavs, who, of course, ended up winning the championship that year over the Heat. Uh, the following year is when the Thunder went all the way to the finals and played the Miami Heat. And then, of course, we all know they eventually had to break up. They chose Serge Ibaka over James Harden. It wasn't quite that clean, but that's basically what happened. And they broke up the Harden-Russell Westbrook-Kevin Durant trio. Um, for the Timberwolves, we don't know, obviously, what's going to happen next year. But there is hope that some of that same progression can happen with, um, you know, it's not quite the same completely young core that was in Oklahoma City, but I could argue that Chris Finch is every bit the coach that Scott Brooks was. I, I believe that to be true. 
And um, it's a tough Western Conference as it was then, and Ant could make a leap like Kevin Durant. He just has to lock in more consistently. He has to improve shot selection and offense, get to the line more often. And this is where I also mentioned that I realized that he does not get a good whistle. But at some point, that has to change. Maybe all this FIBA attention, uh, maybe the officials will feel like, okay, we can help the, you know, we can give this guy the benefit of the doubt um, more often than we have in years one, two, and three of his career. I think that would be, that would be nice. Uh, but anyway, those are the things that Kevin Durant was better at at this stage in his career than Anthony Edwards is in his. There are some eerie parallels beyond that. But Kevin Durant was a was just frankly it was it's just freakish that he was able to get uh, first team All NBA in year three when he was twenty one years old and you know and that's in the realm of possibilities for next year I'd be surprised if it was first team um, but he that's the next logical step is for him to be a legit All NBA player I said at the top of the show nobody on the Team USA roster right now um, was a for for FIBA World Cup has been an All-NBA team. There's four one-time All-Stars. No multi-time All-Stars. Nobody that's been an All-NBA team. And Ant has the ability to take the reins of that team and potentially be their leading scorer. Can he parlay that success, potentially, and that growth into a, an incredible fourth season in the NBA and potentially an All-NBA berth uh, next spring? All right, let's close the show by talking a little bit of Mateo Spaniolo. We can also talk a little bit about uh, another... Um, article that talks about the Timberwolves as a potential surprise team this year. We'll cover all that next. All right. uh, There's an article over at Bleacher Report by Andy Bailey. Six teams that can really shock the NBA in 2023-24. Side note, Andy Bailey also talked about the Wolves as being a a team that needs to break it up or a bust or something. I misrepresented a little bit, but it's one of those things last week we talked about that he wrote about. Anyway, he's also got the Wolves on the list of six teams that can really shock the NBA in 2023-24. He talks about basically the Kings and Nuggets as being two teams that in his mind did that last year. So on this list are the Orlando Magic, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Sixers, I don't really understand the criteria because it's pretty loose. I guess these are all teams. If you just want to talk about teams that could improve, um, I don't, you know, the magic baby if Paolo Bencaro keeps improving. That to me is the biggest reach. The Thunder, yeah. I mean, they were a playing team last year, which surprised a lot of people. SGA is one of the best eight players in the entire league. And uh, Josh Giddy's only getting better. Chet Holmgren's going to play. Jalen Williams is only going to get better. Um that that I wouldn't call that surprising. The Pelicans, this is all about Zion's health, right? If Zion's healthy, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. Dallas, everyone's expecting them to be better because of, well, I don't know. They have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, right? But what does the rest of that roster look like? I talked about them last week. It's just kind of messy. So I don't think anything they do is a surprise. And same with Philadelphia too, right? Um, the James Harden situation is something, but obviously with Joel Embiid, like, they're not going to surprise anybody, and neither should the Timberwolves. I think really kind of the title of this, this article is kind of a misnomer. Um, Bailey mentioned the article about Bruce Brown, uh, of course, current Pacers guard, former Nuggets guard, talking about how the Wolves were their biggest challenge when they won the title last year. And and then he goes on to say, only the Lakers had a better playoff net rating against Denver than the Wolves of the four teams they played. But of course, the Lakers were swept. So he says that the Wolves' jumbo front court held Nikola Jokic to his lowest average game score which is a couple different sites have this uh, basketball reference, um, et cetera, that, that actually I think it might be a proprietary basketball reference stat, which is su- the, 
essentially measures overall productivity for a single game. It's a bit noisy, but that's the idea. And the bulk of the roster is back is basically the argument. Um, I would be here to argue, yes, the Wolves are one of the probably five or six teams that should have the biggest increase in wins next year, but it shouldn't be a surprise, right? They won 46 games two years ago, turned over half the roster, but kept their best players and added Rudy Gobert. Um, And then they got four games worse because their best player was out for uh, 53 games in the regular season. So stands to reason they should be a 50-ish win team. I mean, that's obviously a little bit of fuzzy math, but like... If you're if you win 46 games, you improve the high end of the roster, even if the fit's not perfect. But then you have somebody get hurt and you have some regression and you lose, you know, you win four fewer games. Of course, you're going to bounce back the other direction. Given relative health, this team should not be any worse than 45, 46 wins next year and frankly should be in the 50 to 52 win range. That's not an official prediction. I'm not there yet. We need to see how the rest of the offseason shakes out. And I need to really take a look at the rest of the conference and, and everything that everyone else has done before I make my official win prediction. But the Wolves shouldn't be sneaking up on anybody next season. So I, I think the article itself is a bit of a misnomer. All right, Mateo Spaniolo, the Wolves second round, one of the Wolves second round picks along with Josh Minot last year in 2022 is uh, playing in a series of, I guess, exhibitions currently. He's playing for um, uh, Team Italy, I guess, in this in this tournament. And Kyle Anderson, remember, is playing for Team China. Italy just beat China. Mateo, Mateo Spagnolo won the Trentino Cup MVP award. I'm struggling to find any actual stats. There are some highlights floating around. He, he like, triple crosses some guy over, um, which is floating around there on Twitter. It's fantastic. Uh, apparently, he's had a really big week. So go find some Mateo Spagnolo headlights, headlights, highlights um, as you uh, as you, you know, continue this basketball, real basketball this week. Right. Um, Spagnolo was on the roster for the Wolves for Las Vegas Summer League, but did not get to play. He tweaked. I think it was a knee in in uh, practice in camp leading up to Summer League. So he did not actually get to take the floor in a Summer League game. But it really does seem like he, by the way, was moved to another team now in Europe. Um, he agreed to he's moving away from Real Madrid. He's on a, I forget the name of the team, but on a new team this fall. Um, I mean, the Wolves have an opening at point guard. I don't know that they're necessarily going to bank on him being their starting point guard a year from now when Mike Conley's contract has expired. But the Wolves surely are looking ahead. I mean, there's no point guards under contract after the season, right? They'll have a, um, you know, Conley will be a free agent. Jordan McLaughlin will be a free agent next summer. And uh, and uh, uh, Shake Milton will have a, a non-guaranteed year on his deal for next year. So he may be back. He's also not really a true point guard, even if he is more point guard than shooting guard. The Wolves will still need a starting guard. They do have their first-round pick next year, which I think a lot of people probably assume they don't, but they do have a first-round pick next year. So there's a lot of ways they could fill that role. And I don't, again, I, I want to say again, I don't necessarily think Mateo Spaniolo is like the planned starting point guard for fall of 2024. But he may have a shot at that job, depending on how he performs overseas this year. Um, so keep an eye on Mateo Spaniolo's season. We'll do that here at the show, of course, as we get into fall and winter. All right, that's all we have for you today on the show. Of course, we'll be back on Wednesday. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K 
E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.